Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. It's the Paranormal PD. We're hyper than ever. You are. We're excited. We're excited, but I'm not hyper. You are. All right. I just pounded this ghost energy drink, which we're totally not sponsored by, and it's got me wired. Well, I'm drinking a monster. But we and Eric over there has got a liquid death. So, so who do we got here? Who's even here today? Just the three of us. It's me, three Matt. Of us. Uh, who's over there? I don't know. Who am I? Producer Eric. We got producer yeah. Eric. We He's like Jamie, a, but better. We got a screen up here today. We do. We're testing out some new things. And wait, 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 hold on. I'm here. My name's Dallas. Yeah, we got it. We got we got Dallas here, but we got a screen up here with some pictures. Okay, don't talk stuff. about the pictures. Hold on. Yet. I'm just I'm just painting a picture for our audience. Okay. Okay. And you know he can start bringing stuff up for us on a big screen because before it was kind of like. We're looking at like our phones, iPads, computers, and stuff. But we got this big True. screen now. We're trying we, to be we more were. professional. Yeah, we are. We're super professional. We Although also I'm have sitting like on a drummer light. stool <laughs> in a music studio. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it sounds good though. Everything sounds really good. That's what matters here. Yes, it does. So, let's talk about our socials. We have. All of the social medias, every single one of them. We're on them all. You name it, we're on it. Instagram? We got an Instagram. Paranormal underscore PD. We got Twitter. The Paranormal PD. People don't use Twitter, dude. Nobody does, yeah. Yeah, we have an email as well. ParanormalPoliceDepartment at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, we have a TikTok as well, dude. Yeah, the underscore Paranormal PD. I don't know. Is that linked on our Spotify stuff when we post episodes? Actually, it's not, but I should probably do that. Okay, well, all the other ones are linked, and we'll start linking our TikTok so you guys can give us some follows. You know, TikTok's where it's at. If you want to see some behind-the-scenes clips, we might start posting them and editing some as well. Hey, post a, you know, record a behind-the-scenes clip right now for TikTok. No, no, no. I'll do the good part because no one wants to see this behind-the-scenes. No, no, they do. They do. They really want to see this. Go check us out over there. Spread the word. We really appreciate everything. Yeah. And I hope you love today's amazing episode that Dallas has completely prepared all by himself for you. Yes, I did. I think I sent you at least one thing to look up, which you probably didn't, which is pretty in character. <laughs> um, we do, we've been doing like a little segment this week in the paranormal. Nothing really happened this week. <laughs> so we don't, not, not really in it. the paranormal. I mean, I know we talked about how we would never, ever go into true crime yeah. because we don't like how it is, but why did something true crime happen? They did just arrest the Long Island serial killer. Oh, really? Who's got 11 bodies to his name. And he was a normal family man who had two kids, a wife, and lived in the suburbs, which was wild. Yeah, that's weird. But that's true crime, so we don't care about that. No, we don't care. I mean, sorry to the families, of course. Yeah, it sucks, but, you know, it's not paranormal. No, it's not. Not our forte. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and skip that portion of this show today. (laughs) And we're going to talk about what we have prepared. What do you got? Did Did you do anything? Yeah, but it's going to come on later when we, <laughs> okay, no, just once we set around. the scene. So, th- guys, this case is a really good case. It is pretty famous in the UFO community, but if you're kind of new to this all, you might not have ever heard of it. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about the 1950 McMinnville UFO photographs. These photographs are the first photographs of a UFO that were... Basically, well, let's get there later. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's okay. Get there later. Okay, good idea. Yeah. Should I start out? Yeah. So this incident takes place on May 11th of 1950 in McMinnville, Oregon. Okay. I hate that place. Why? You've never even been there. I just don't like Oregon. Fair. Um, the Trent Farm is approximately nine miles southwest of McMinnville, but that's like the big um, city in the area. It's the biggest city. And at the Trent Farm, we have Paul and Evelyn Trent. Okay. 
obviously. Um, they own the farm there. Paul Trent used to collect milk um, from other farms and sell it at the local dairy. Evelyn worked as a um, chicken cannery, and she used to take care of chickens and rabbits. The way that people in this town, it was a small town, but the way that people would describe the Trents um, was as substantial, solid, honest citizens. And that is a direct quote from U.S. Air Force Sergeant L.J. Hader, who I is one of the people that. who investigated this I case. I love to hear that. No, we got some good, honest people here. They're not trying to look to make a quick buck off this story. We yeah. Got some, we got some upstanding citizens that are here to spread their story. A hundred percent. And that's actually one of like the main things about this case is the fact that they didn't make anything off of this. And not only that, they pretty much gave these photos up for free, and which we'll get to. That's not like an important part of the story, but let's get into it. Okay. So as I stated, it's May 11th in 1950. This incident took um, took place at approximately 7.30 at night, okay? It's nighttime, nice uh, chilly breeze. Obviously, it's May, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Evelyn Trent was walking back to her house, and she had just fed her rabbits. While she was walking back in the sky, she spotted a slow-moving metallic disc, Ooh. and it was heading in the direction basically away from her, which was northeast. Okay. Okay. When she saw this, she started yelling for her husband because she's never seen anything like this before. What do you think she was yelling? Like, um, what's going? What do you What do you think? Like, her reaction? Here, let's pretend okay. you're her. I'm in the house. You're gonna yell for me that you're saying this. So give me, give me what you got. What are you gonna okay. yell? What did Evelyn say? Yeah. What do you think she said? Oh my God! The world's gonna end. <laughs> <laughs> There's a flying can. A can? Yeah. It's 1950. I don't know what else she would think it would be. Okay. Just kidding. I have what she thought it was right here. <laughs> she said it looked like a parachute canopy without strings, but with silver bright mixed with um silver bright, Ooh. bright silver, sorry, mixed with bronze. So kind of like glimmering, which is how these things have been described multiple Pretty times. Common. You yeah. know what's weird? Especially around this time area, like this time period. A lot of them are described as like silver metallic objects, like mm-hmm. resemble parachutes. Yeah, it's and weird. That is weird. That is. I just want to know what she would say. Like, what would you think she would say if you were her? I think she would just be like, "Get out of here! There's something in the sky." That, that's in all like, reality. That's a real, like a realistic. That's kind probably of what she approach. did. But I figured I'd throw the can in there. I just thought it'd be kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, dude. I'm not from the 1950s. It wouldn't even be soda. It'd be pop, but. <laughs> Um, There's a sodi can in the air. <laughs> <laughs> when Evelyn later talked about what she had seen, she described it as being as pretty as anything she'd seen in her life. So I've never heard she thought that. it was magnificent in terms of how it looked. I've never heard anyone say UFO's pretty. Well, in the Hopkinsville one, a little rainbow came from it. Yeah, that's but no pretty. one, no one goes. That's oh, that's pretty. I know. So she goes in the house and she grabs her husband Paul who brings out the Kodak camera that they had, which had film in it, and he snaps two pictures, which become known as the, obviously, as the McMinnville UFO photographs. This is, I mean, not that this is a big change, but one of the only discrepancies that really ever came up in their story that was found was that version is pretty much what everybody always said, but later when they retold the story one other time, Evelyn had said that Paul was already out with her. And that he had to just go to the car to grab the camera. So that's not a big deal, but that is, I do want to point that out, um, that that discrepancy does exist. 
Okay. Does that make or break the case? I, I don't, don't think, think so. so. No, I don't think so. Jinx, you owe me a can of pop. Ooh. We said it at the same time. Yeah, I don't think it makes or breaks the case. I think that's a little like a detail where it's like, I mean, how old are they this time? Do you know? Um, No, I don't know, actually. So, But I guess we could, I mean, the math can't be that hard to do because um, Evelyn, uh, yeah, that would be actually be pretty hard because it doesn't say how she was when she died. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know how old she was. She died in 97. If they're owning, a f- owning their own farm with some land and they- yeah. It's around that. They they can't they gotta be older. So Yeah, and you have to imagine too When you're retelling stories, I mean, I'm sure she gets things like they get things wrong. They just don't remember them properly. True, true. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. To That's be fair. And obviously they would have it's, been older because yeah. if they had a farm and it's nineteen fifty, I can't imagine cameras were cheap in nineteen fifty. Uh you know what I mean? Yeah. So they probably had some. But money it's also as well. odd that like that's what people are getting on about when like other cases or a will be like, <laughs> yeah, I know. oh, the UFO went that way, or it landed, it crashed, and it's like, oh, oh there's discrepancies. Yeah, exactly. This it's like, one okay, is, then where is it? Did he go back to the car, or was he in the house? Yeah. What's the, what's, what's the real story? It's not questioning the UFO in the sky. Exactly. And this, and other than that small, like, hiccup, the, the story hasn't changed. Yeah. And that's pretty good. That's like 37 years. Around. It's not bad. 47, actually, but yeah. So Paul comes out. He obviously snaps the photographs, and when he describes it, he describes a round, shiny, wingless object hovering in the sky. After snapping those two photographs, the object disappears into the west, into the evening mist. Goes westward. Okay. He would have snapped more pictures, I would imagine. Yeah. Because as it as we find out later on, he didn't use all the film, and that becomes an important part of the story. What are your thoughts? I... I think it's, I don't know, I like it. There's nothing that screams to me that, like... It's not a ridiculous story, It's right? not ridiculous. It's it's very simple. Yes. And it's very just much, like, like they're not claiming. They're not claiming no. they got abducted and they got probed and they all this crazy stuff. It's Love just, that point. hey, this was, we saw this flying over, we got a camera, we took some pictures, and that's it. And they actually, when they took the photos, they didn't even think of the fact that it would be an alien craft. They had thought it was potentially like a U.S. Air Force, yeah, maybe type um, like experimental a, craft, yeah. And they were actually worried that they'd get in trouble from the military for photographing it initially, yeah, or like some like NASA thing, like reentry thing. thing. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I think because of the fact that they're just not claiming anything wild, yeah. it's just a very simple story. I mean, sure. I like it so far. I like the story. I do. So being that we have the basic. You know, the bait. Well, that's pretty much the whole story Mm -hmm. just from that aspect. Trust me, there's plenty more to the case, but just from the initial sighting, right? We have up on the screen, the big screen right here, the two photographs that were snapped that night. Okay. And I have to say, I want to draw attention to the one on the right, top right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. He's a very good photographer. Right? There are pictures that are like, you see like Bigfoot pictures that are Uh taken. In like 2010 and 2012, <laughs> that are worse quality than this. This yes. is a very high quality photo for, 1950. for being 1950. Yes, it is insane. So how good this picture is. Can you describe what you're seeing to our will, audience? And guys, obviously we're gonna post the pictures of this. But so Matthew, please. Let me start. Let me get in my my mindset here. Um, 
on so we'll start from left to right. Perfect. On the left, it looks like the corner of their house, maybe. Yes. Or correct. like a barn or something. There's a building there, mm-hmm. a very small like old timey building, and then it looks like there's f- like fields, and then on the far right of the picture, there's like a telephone pole. Yes. Correct. And directly in the middle of the sky, like if you went to the middle between the house and the pole, and then went straight in the middle and went up, there is a. What can only I'll be described des- as a I'll flying saucer. <laughs> yes. It's like oval shaped and it's dark. Eric, like, is there any way you can zoom in on that? I don't know if that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have this technology here? I think we do. Oh, what the hell is oh, this? No. Oh, no. Oh, my, my goodness. God. Okay. Okay. Oh, wow. So there's a dark oval and you can see on the top of the oval, like... I don't even know what shape that is. Maybe it like appears a little, to be three dimensional. It, it's like it's as definitely if you were three dimensional. Something. There's definitely you can tell. There's like the bottom is either it's like shaded, mm-hmm. um, and it's slanted. Look like like looking like it's going away, or in the picture it's like going off to the right. In the way that we have seen and heard these things flying, yeah. In the same way that we have seen them flying, guys. If you want an idea of what this looks like in your head, just think of the "I want to believe" X Files poster. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it looks like. And you know what I think? It's kind of well, it's kind of weird. And I think what what helped them get good pictures are. She said it was going slow. Well, yes, which, so, it's, it's slowly hovering, mind slowly you. hovering, which is like you see it in some cases, you some you some you don't, but I think the fact that it was go- going slow is a reason why they got such a clear picture for it being in it's the 1950s. Very crisp, guys. It's very crisp. Like, it's um, it's interesting for sure. And I then mean, also, you could tell that there's another. Um, I believe that's another power line that it would be technically closer to them at the top yeah. of the frame that you can see. I mean. Oh yeah, it is. You yeah. you can see everything. Like this picture, is, I, I'm emphasizing on how crystal clear it is, just so you guys can see it. But like in the foreground of the picture, there's like uh, some shrubbery, and yes. you can individually see all these branches. You can see the leaves on these branches individually. Like he the, must have been standing very still. He must have been standing still, still and it was going slow. Or he's an expert photographer because it is. So so crystal clear. This I picture. actually love what you just said right there, the expert photographer part, because I just want to bring up again, once again, this is the 1950s. Yeah, I can't imagine cameras were that accessible to the everyday person. No. So if you had one, you probably did have you some know, kind of knowledge on how to take a good picture. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and it was definitely probably a hobby, and they used film back then. So it's it's not like you know what I mean. It's not like he could take unlimited photos. Nope. So okay. That is the first picture. Let's go to the second Can one. Can we see the second one? This one? Yes, that one. So the second one is more of a zoomed-in photo. It is. And it's of the ship canting back the other way. So instead of being able to see the bottom of the ship, you can see the top of it. You see it from pretty much if it was like you're looking directly at like horizontal-wise. Yes. Um, yes. It looks kind of like, like a trapezoid almost. It's got like, yeah, you know, the, perfect, it's yeah. got like a round, you, it's not a flat line on the bottom, so you can tell it's rounded Yeah. on the bottom and it's got two, like the sides are like sloping up and then a flat top with something poking out the top of it. Yes. Maybe like an antenna or a cockpit. I don't know. Definitely looks like an antenna to us. Yeah. This one isn't as clear. Think. I think it's because he zoomed in and it was probably moving away at this point. Oh yeah. I think um, that's fair to say. But it's really, really zoomed in. This one is. 
but it's still yeah. a good picture for 1950 for being <laughs> yeah. that zoomed in it's still it's better than any ufo picture i've seen from anybody else you know yeah now yeah it's it's definitely up there but there's nothing else that one is just in the sky there's not much else, um backdrop to it it's just the sky and the the ufo yeah so obviously you've you've seen the photographs yes i'll, I'll get to that one in a bit um i have one more photograph that we're going to talk about and that i'll post but you've seen the photographs mm -hmm. okay one of the weird things about this case was that Paul did not immediately develop the photos like I told you. Reason being for him that was there was still film left and they wanted to use it up. So they used it um, Mother's Day weekend. They took the last couple pictures and um, he went and got it. You know, I like that. Yeah, I like. Yeah, they didn't want to waste it. Fun little fact right there. So like, yeah. hey, let's let's use it. We got it. We got to do something with it. Exactly. So after they were developed. He took it to the McMinnville Telephone Register and the Oregonian, and they published the images of June of 1950. And right here, I have for you the the um, article of the picture that they posted. And it's going to be basically the zoomed-in picture of the first one, of the first picture. And the article says, Farmer's cameras captures movement of flying object. Yeah. No water spot, no hallucinations. The camera of Paul Trent, Route 3. Yep. I'm pretty sure I w it's kind of difficult to confirm this, but I'm pretty sure this is from the uh, McMin McMinnville Telephone Register. Okay. Ooh. Bill Powell was the local reporter, and he was the one that convinced Trent to loan him the negative so he could post it in this in this here article. And when Powell examined the negatives, mind you, this is he's a local reporter. This is his job, right? He goes and finds cases and stories yeah and he he shares them in the newspaper well obviously before doing that he has to confirm whether it's legitimate or not or if it's a hoax because oh, back then that was I'd popular. i also like to see in the article they quote trent saying he was reluctant to let, let them use the pictures and says Correct. i'm afraid i'll get in trouble with the government that's a direct quote from him yep and He's if like, you see hey. it right there it it, it kind of talks about how they got in contact with him anyway yes. so Obviously, he found no evidence that they were tampered with or faked. So on June 8th of 1950, the story and the incident with the two photos that were taken were published as a front page story in the telephone register. Headline, yeah. The headline was, at last, long authentic photographs of flying saucers. That's like the actual headline for the front page. Yeah. So I think it's pretty interesting. Um, I think so as well. It's a cool piece of history, and this is something that I'm sure is in some sort of archives somewhere. It's not yeah. like they, you know, tried to hide this one. It'd be pretty difficult. Nope. Well, Life Magazine caught caught this, mm. and they saw when it was posted in all the Oregon newspapers that it was kind of making a big buzz in Oregon. They're like, well, we think that our national audience is going to want to hear about this. So they published it. They published a version, a cropped version of the photos, and with a picture of Trent. And they were promised that the negatives would be returned to them. Obviously, it's their negatives. They were never paid for any of this. Nope. They were never returned. Life magazine told them that they had misplaced the negatives. That's some sketchy That's government conspiracy right, right there. there. I don't know about this, Chief. I don't know. So I think it's a little weird. Um, I would be pissed. Because, like I said, they were never paid for any of this. They gave out these negatives. They're under a lot of scrutiny now because people are calling them liars. People are calling them, you know, mm -hmm. not liars. Yep. It just kind of sucks. And it, it especially sucks to have taken the photos and not even have them, right? Oh, so, yeah. 
there's that. Um, Life magazine published their national article, and after that, the Trents were visited by an Air Force officer and questioned about the event. This is what Paul Trent told the officer, okay? He said that when they were out there, the object was like coming in towards them, and it tipped a little bit. So that first, that first one right there that you kind of see was when it was first coming in, and then when it tips is when that second photo was taken. He said it was very bright, silverish, and there was no noise coming from it. Common theme. Yeah. So after that, there's something called the Condon Committee that was created in 1967 by the U.S. Air Force, and they contracted a very widely respected nuclear physicist by the name of Edward Condon. And his job was to conduct an in-depth study of UFOs and UFO claims around the U.S. at this time. Okay. That year, that year, um, in 1967, they ended up finding the negatives from the United Press International. The United Press International took over the company that had owned Life magazine, and they actually ended up finding the negatives. In the trash can. No. In an (laughs) archive. And... (laughs) There was a uh, there was an astronomer William K Hartman who got the negatives, and he was an investigator for the Condon Committee, and he was the one that was investigating this case specifically for the Condon Committee. And the Condon Committee, like I already told you, was a government-funded UFO research project based out of the University of Colorado mm. in Boulder. So, the Trents were not immediately informed that their negatives had been found, um, but Hartman did interview them and said that they did appear to be sincere. And they never even asked for any money from him, never asked for any money from life or anybody. And he couldn't find any evidence that they even wanted it like to get out that they had these photos. Yeah. They were pressed for them. And that was kind of what he found in his study, which he did think was weird because a lot of these cases, it's for notoriety. Yep. For some, for some dough. Exactly. So... This report in the end from the Conduct Committee ended up being 950 pages, and it was titled The Scientific Study of Unidentified Flying Objects, and it dismissed every single UFO claim except for one, okay? There was one showing a disc-shaped object in flight over Oregon. Oh, no. And it's classified as difficult to explain in a conventional way and determined that the photos were genuine and the trends were being truthful about what they had seen that day. This is the U.S. government stating that out of all of the UFO claims and incidents that they went over, every single one proved to either be fake, false, or falsified, except except for for this this. case. That's good. I also want to bring up, I had never even heard of the Condon Committee before this case. Yeah, no, I... A government-funded U.S. I mean, they were pretty open about this before. And then it seems like after the Cold War... You got the hush-hush? No more. No more talking about it. And then now it's coming back up. It is coming back up. And it's kind of a weird thing that it's coming back up, but... Yeah. So, um, in one of the few UFO reports that this was mentioned in, it was declared that all factors investigated, including um, genetic, psychological, and physical... They all appear to be consistent with the assertion that an extraordinary flying object that was silvery, metallic, disc-shaped, and tens of meters in diameter, and appeared to be evidently artificial, flew within the sight of two witnesses, Paul and Evelyn Trent. Ooh. Okay. One of the reasons that they cited that the photographs were legitimate was a photometric analysis that Hartman had done. 
Okay. He noted that the brightness of the underside of the object appeared to be lighter than the underside of the oil tank that's seen in the images, which is a con- connected on the left side of the house. The house. Okay. Um, this could be due to the effect of atmospheric extinction, he says, wh- whatever that means, and scattering. The same effects that make distant mountains appear washed out in blue. This effect suggests the objects or the objects were further from the camera than the tank, Light not scattering. small local objects. So basically what he's saying is the way the photo was taken says that that object couldn't be small and that it must have been much larger but further away just based off of the science that they use to, you know, um, basically debunk pictures like this because a lot of these pictures are debunked like that where it's like actually no that thing was on a string and that does come up with this case at some point and we will get to that yeah but that's one of the common ways that they debunk a lot of these ufo pictures yep it is yeah so basically what they're saying in this case is that can't apply everything in terms of mathematics and science appears to match up in the photos at this time during the case oh yeah so there's a couple discrepancies that i had mentioned right he did notice that the overall lighting of the image was consistent with the lighting that would be expected around sunset, but also noted there could be a possible discrepancy in the fact that the UFO, the telephone pole, and the garage to the left, and the distant house, um, which I guess when you zoom in, you can see. I saw it, yeah, yeah. yeah. They appear to be illuminated from the right or the east. The house okay. in particular has a shadow under its roof that would suggest a daylit photo combined with eastward, um, like eastward, I guess, sunlight. And you could argue that the photos were actually taken at around 10 a.m. instead of the time that they claimed, just based off of the shadows. Okay. Obviously, we're seeing- <laughs> I'm not an expert. I'm just going to say, yeah, okay. I'm not an expert either. <laughs> I can't tell in this. Um, we're looking at which, the- I don't know which way is meant to be north in this. I mean, yeah. based on what their claims, it's going off to the northeast or northwestern way. So it's- I. I don't know. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is we don't know how many times this specific image that we are looking at right here has been copied and copied and scanned and copied, right? So we might not be looking at what... We might not be able to see everything in the original picture, yeah. is my point. That Very good point. So it would be very difficult for us to tell, but I didn't want to leave that out because I think that's important. A lot of people and a lot of researchers used that above issue that I just talked about as the reason to that, debunk it. Yeah, they, th- they say it's fake. Yeah. And in April of 2013, there were three re- researchers that posted a couple studies um, that basically state that there's evidence of a suspension thread that they could find. And they argued that the geometry of the photographs um, is consistent with a small model that would have a hollow bottom hanging from a wire suspended from the power lines above. And that they had detected the presence of a thread in um, above the object. Okay, their conclusion was that the clear result of this study was the UFO was hanging from a thread. I don't know about that. I don't know about that either. I can't tell. I, you, you know, Eric, could you zoom in on the top of that? Let's see if I mean. I don't think so, but. I mean, like I said, this has probably been scanned and this isn't, you know, maybe the original looks slightly different, but yeah. what they're right where he is at right there is where they would be saying the thread would be hanging from. And I just You'll don't see, see it in the pictures. There's two power lines that run along the top. Their claim is that those power lines have a string that's holding the UFO up in the air. And it's like a, it's like a little model, but we're looking at it right now and 
Honestly, no string. Yeah. This, this little line looks a little, a little wonky, but who knows? But I don't think is that a power line. I don't know. I think that, that might be like a crease in the image. But that that's not. Possibly. Even then, that's not even coming close to it. No, that I, and that wouldn't be where it would be at anyway. It'd be above it. Do you want to talk about um, what you have? Yeah, my one thing that you so graciously <laughs> told me to do. I at least wanted to give you one thing. He wanted to. He wanted me to get involved. I want you to be here with this. So, in 1975, when the negatives were found, they were found by Bruce Maccabee. Okay. Who is an obstacle physicist for the U.S. Navy and a UFOologist. So he's got a little pedigree um, in terms of professionalism, but then he also was a UFOologist, guys. Which gives him more pedigree. <laughs> well, to us, yeah. To maybe not to other people. Well, so he um, he's worked like optical data processing. Uh, so like he's done like, but he's done a lot of stuff when it comes to like sciencey stuff, like from everything. So he's done like underwater sound with like lasers to see how they generate and how it affects okay. he's done uh he was like with um different aspects of that for like strategic defense initiative he's sure. done stuff with ballistic missile defenses using high-powered lasers so big science guy big he has big a science big guy. science guy he's got a bachelor's in uh physics from uh worcestershire polytechnic institute okay um and then a master's and phd from American University in Washington, D.C. See, and this is one thing that we do like to do on this podcast. I'm yeah. sure you guys have noticed is we like to at least give you a little bit of the background about people or that are making claims because yep. like Matt stated earlier, we're not experts in this, right? We're nope. hobbyists, sure, but I don't know about the physics of a freaking spaceship. Yep. This guy would. Um, and he began his career at the Naval Ordnance Labor- Laboratory Oh yeah. in Silver Spring, Maryland, which later became the Naval Surface Warfare Center Division. Okay, that sounds so very. So he worked for the government until 2008. Just throwing that out there. So until 2008, huh? He knows what he's doing. He's been around, but is what you're saying. He became interested in UFOs in like the 60s, and he joined um, what is it, NICAP, the National in- Investigations Committee on Aer- Aerial Phenomenon. Okay. Um, there's so many. There's so many freaking I know. acronyms. He was dude, there until anymore. its demise in uh, 1980, and then he MUFON. became he yeah, and then he became a member of MUFON in 1975. I just figured. I didn't actually know. Yeah, um, he was instrumental in the establishing the fund for UFO research, and was the chairman for 13 years there. This guy's leading the march, dude. Yeah, he is. He's he, stacked. Uh, he has a lot of stuff with like working and doing like a lot of pictures and uh analysis on stuff like the kennedy arnold sighting obviously the trent one that we're talking about the gemini 11 photographs the tehran incident the new zealand one like he has i I mean i'm looking at his credentials and basically from early as 1947 to like 2004 he is he is the guy who is disproving or proving whether these images are real or not. How old is this guy? He's 81. He's still alive right now. Savage, dude. Yeah. So I'd like to talk to him. That'd probably be a really fun conversation. Uh, he's, wrote, he's wrote a dozen books about stuff about it goes on radio shows, does all stuff. He is like seen as the authority on picture analysis kind of thing. Like that's, okay. that's his gig. He's a guy, yeah. That's him. That's who you so, would want to look at your paranormal photos if you yeah. had one. And he, he did. He lifted him. 
Um, well, that's good. I would think he would. <laughs> so he analyzed the photos, and his conclusion was that these they were not hoax, and they show they showed a real physical object in the sky. Now he obviously uses these terms because remember, big science guy. Yeah, he's real not big, gonna, real, real big, big science, science guy. guy. He's not going to say it's a UFO. He's going to say that's a real object in the air. Yeah, sure. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely a real object. He said much of his analysis was based on. Please forgive me for this pronunciation. Oh my God! No way. Densiometric measurements. <laughs> Wait, let me look at it. <laughs> Zoom in on it. Let me look. Hold on. Uh, I think that was pretty good. I would think it'd be densitometric, but maybe, maybe. I okay. honestly don't know. I've never seen that. Which word is in my similar life. to photometric analysis done. It's like similar, but it's one done by Hartman. I'm gonna take the big science he, guy's word on this. <laughs> he argued that the brightness of the object's underside. Suggested that it was at some distance from the camera and not a smaller object close to it, which is similar to Hartman. Um, he also analyzed like the positions of other objects in the uh, picture, as well as Hartman, because obviously they have they're working on the same picture, so they got to do yeah. the same work and make sure that. Well, I would think anyway that is how you would be able to you know determine whether or not it's real or yeah. not. So he he also visited the actual site the picture was taken, the exact site mm-hmm. in uh, 1967, and he said that the. He argued that the line of sight of the two images intersect, like, they intersected the distance between the power lines, mm-hmm. um, basically providing further evidence that it's not a model suspended from the lines. Like it couldn't be. Yeah, just because of the power, where the power lines are, the, um, what do you call it, the depth perception of it. Yeah. He's, his argument was just because of that is a sign that it can't be an object floating there. And he found no evidence that there was a string or a thread suspending it from any of these power lines. Yeah. Um, he's replied to a lot of skeptical arguments, kind of, and, like, that the shadows in the object prove it was taken in the morning. He argued that, you know, cloud conditions in the area of the evening could have caused shadows uh, on the garage, which is right yeah. there on the left. I, could, I guess, I mean... I, I don't mean, know. Yeah, you, Maybe clouds. It's it's a possibility. It's never not a possibility, sure. right? Yeah, it's and clouds. It does look that, cloudy. It could and be there. It even states that the craft, you know, goes off into the mist at some point. Yeah. So, so um, he actually, he even stated uh, in 2013, um, people were basically saying that you know that there there were hoax, and he was like, hey, there's no lines crossing the wires. I still and he stands by his work. He stands by what his original findings were. So he probably the the um, study that I brought up from 2013. That's probably his rebuttal to that. Yeah, to that yep, exact study. See, so, and I'm looking at this. We're all three looking at this. I don't see how you could say there's a line there. No, like I said, I understand it's not the original, but guys, zoom in on it yourselves. We'll post it. You let me know if you can see a freaking line because I cannot see a line. No. So I mean. You know, he's he's still standing by his work yeah. almost 50, 60, or 50 years later back then. Wow. I mean. That's what I like I, to see. I stand by his work as well. He's the expert. He's a big science guy. <laughs> he's a real big science real guy. Real big science guy. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> okay. Is that what you got for Mac? That's what I got. Okay. So just to kind of round this off, okay. Pretty much as the years have passed, the trends have consistently been described as just honest, simple people who never attempted to profit off of this. And they didn't even want the notoriety that it brought them. Right. And just obviously we talked about Evelyn passed away in 1997 and, uh, Paul Trent in 1998. 
That's why I kept telling you. I'm pretty sure he passed away. Um, they both insisted throughout their entire life that the sighting was real and genuine and legitimate. What do you think? What I do you like think? That. I have something else, you know, for the very end, like when we're done and got a little video that we're going to share as I well. I think but it's legit. You think it's legit? I I think it'd be hard to fake it. I don't think there's ways you can fake this. Yeah. I don't. Maybe I mean, now. You, have you could old, probably do that now. You could probably do that now. But there's all these experts saying it's, hey, there's there's no way, you know, we're not saying it's a UFO, but there's, yeah. that's a real object in the sky there. It's not fake. There's no strings. There's no, it's not a model. I mean, who am I to question the experts? If they say it's a legit picture, it's a legit picture. Yeah. I mean, and obviously I'm sure there's other experts that's, that say it's not um, I don't believe those experts. They're fake experts. Yeah, you know what? You're right. They're experts in bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think, Eric? Um, I don't know. I feel like just because of the fact that during that time, you would probably be looked at as like crazy for assuming for that something sure like that is yeah. real. Oh, yeah. So I feel like that definitely gives it some credibility, you know, because um, if they were just searching for I mean, what, what would they have to gain from it? They know. didn't even try and gain from it either. Yeah, I think that's important to mention. They didn't even try. This had to get pride from them. Yeah. They probably told a couple friends. Those friends happened to know one of the reporters at the Telegraph, and they, they got pride on, honestly. That's the only reason they gave up the photos to if begin I, with. If I saw something like this and I got a good picture, first thing I'd do would be get some money out of it. Uh, yeah, me too. I might as well. I almost got abducted. What do you mean? <laughs> the least you could do is give me a million dollars. Run me them pockets. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm on the same page as you guys. I th I like both of those points. That's kind of where I'm coming from as well. I just don't see why they would do it. Nope. They didn't even care, to be honest with you. And they never tried to say it was an alien. They never said that. They didn't say it freaking landed in their field. They just, hey, we got these photos, and here here's here's what we got. It's my favorite thing about it. Just nonchalant. Yeah. Just like, hey, took these pictures. No big deal. Here they are. Yeah, I would want them just to know I'm not crazy. Like yeah. you saw that, right? <laughs> exactly. It's always better when someone else sees it. That's so. true. One thing we've loved to always do on this podcast. All right, we always like to give you guys a little follow up action, and there's some follow up that can be done with this. Oh, case. I thought you were gonna say it could be a skinwalker. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be. I could. There's just no. I don't see it on this. Right. It turns out that. Oregon leaned pretty hard into this sighting. And by pretty hard, I mean really hard. And they have their own little festival. I love it. And we always talk about the festivals. We always kind of talk about Big like festival um, people we are. Yeah, we are. And we got to go to this because it happens every year. Every single year they have Most a festival. Most festivals happen every year. Well, a lot of them end though, but it's still going. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's called the UFO Festival, established in McMinnville. And it is now the largest gathering in the Pacific Northwest and is second only to the UFO Festival in Roswell, New Mexico Ooh. itself. The second largest festival. And they have had some legit speakers at this freaking festival. I'm talking George Knapp, Nick Pope, Jeremy Corbell, oh, so like um, Alien Bob Con Lazar. That we went to. Yes, not exactly. A huge deal, but we've already seen them talk. It's not the biggest <laughs> deal. We've just talked to, you know, all the big deals. But I've got a little short snippet from um, the, the local news over there where they kind of talk about this little festival. So we're going to play that now so you guys can kind of get a little vibe for what's going on out there. Hit it, Eric. For three days every May, McMinnville, Oregon becomes UFO Central. Only the UFO Festival in Roswell, New Mexico is bigger. 
This bizarre celebration commemorates a reported UFO sighting near here in 1950. I believe something exists out there. I'm not 100% sure what it is, and I do believe that they saw something. The McMinnville UFO photographs were taken by Paul Trent on May 11, 1950, from his farm outside Sheridan, about nine miles southwest of McMinnville. First published in the local paper, the Telephone Register, the pictures went the 1950s version of viral. The story was picked up around the world, even becoming a cover story in Life magazine. Wow. What a great video that was. Yes, that was really good. I love local news. I love local news, too. <laughs> so that was just a little snippet from the local um, news out there where they kind of talk about their little festival. But, yeah, I mean. like the Mardi Gras of aliens. It was, huh? It was. That was straight up the Mardi Gras of <laughs> aliens. Dude, there's a little alien dancing in the street doing cartwheels. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but. I, I'm here for it. I like it. Yeah. So, guys, them. this is. um. This is our investigation of the McMinnville UFO photos. Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely a bizarre one. I think it has the most evidence of anything else we've shown here. I don't know about the most evidence. It has the most concrete right. evidence. The, the Loveland Frogman did have a lot of evidence. You're it right, has actually. A I, I very take that back. solid two pieces of evidence. Okay. Which is, you know what? No, look. We're all about just quality do. over quantity. Yes. I'd rather have two amazing photos than a bunch of shit. <laughs> Well, what about the really good video from the Loveland Frogman episode? That was pretty good. Of him in the water. But we're not on that. We're, on, we're focusing on UFO. I know, UFOs. but I still like to talk about it, though. We could actually, I still want to talk about the Frogman. No. Okay. So. Well, that was, the, that was the UFO episode, guys. I hope you guys liked it. Um, we're going to leave a little Q&A in here, okay? In this Q&A, you're going to answer from what, I don't know, what do you say? What galaxy this thing's from? I'm going to put four galaxies, and you got to tell me if it's like Zeta Reticuli or where it's coming from, all right? That's pretty hard, dude. You just got to guess. How about just a yes or a no? Do you think it's an alien? No, it's definitely an alien, so I don't think anyone's going to question that. All right. We'll put yeah. a question there. Just pay attention to it. Pay attention. All, all right. right, guys. Thank you for thank tuning you for listening. in. Always appreciate it. Yes. You guys have a great week. Good night. We'll be back. Bye-bye. One voyage. <laughs>